From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. Before the year is over, Amazon is expected to announce which city will be the home for its second headquarters. Miami is the place to be for Amazon. Amazon, you need to bring your headquarters to Atlanta. And the 20 finalists, which include New York City and Newark, New Jersey, are all angling to win the grand prize. Amazon, you will love the Toronto region as one of the best places to live, to work, and to play. And our affordability make Philadelphia a perfect fit for Amazon. And they want to have great tech workers. LA fits that bill. Amazon says its new HQ2 will lead to $5 billion in investments and 50,000 high-paying jobs. So a year after Amazon announced these plans, where do things stand? And for the winning city, will it all be good news? Well, joining me is Dominic Rush, U.S. business editor at The Guardian, and Karen Weiss, tech reporter for The New York Times. And Karen, you're based in Seattle. You followed Amazon closely. What is the latest in the hunt for this new headquarters? There's not much, which is kind of driving, I think, everyone nuts. It's been more than a year since they first announced the search. In the beginning of 2018, they narrowed the list down to 20 cities. And since then, there hasn't been pretty much anything. The one-year anniversary came and went. Cities are under NDA, under non-disclosure agreements for the negotiations. So everyone's just kind of waiting. Well, considering that cities are offering different kinds of subsidies and many of them taxpayer-funded, How is it that they're able to get away with non-disclosure agreements with those NDAs you mentioned? It's not uncommon for there to be NDAs in the middle of negotiations with companies. And part of that is because they're kind of swapping back and forth a lot of sensitive agreements. That said, there's clearly public interest in it, both literally actual interest and then reasons why the public should know about this. Dominic, you've been reporting on deals that cities make with companies, especially tech companies. You had gone to Racine County between Milwaukee and Chicago, and you visited what will be the U.S. factory for Foxconn, the company that makes Apple's iPhones in China. What sold the company on locating in Wisconsin? Well, tax breaks. I mean, as Karen pointed out, that seems to be the main driver of what's going on here. And again, there is a huge public interest story here in that if you're a taxpayer in Wisconsin, then how is your money being spent? I don't know if you've been to Wisconsin recently, but they've got some of the worst roads in the country. Everybody complains about them. The government there has decided that it's going to spend its money giving tax breaks to an incredibly profitable, huge multinational company rather than pay to fix its roads. But is there a sense that this will lead to more jobs, that it will benefit the economy, that they will deliver on the promises? Well, it's interesting because this was a deal that was trumpeted by Trump, and it's the largest deal that he's done in terms of tax breaks since he's been in office, $4.8 billion. And Foxconn itself has said that um, it could create somewhere between 3,000 and 30,000 jobs. That's a pretty big margin. It's a pretty big margin. Of course, Scott Walker and Paul Ryan, both in Wisconsin, are going for the 30,000 figure. But if they end up creating 3,000 jobs, that's $1.5 million per job created. And under any circumstances, it's going to take 25 years for them to work out whether they've got the money back. Is there a point where it just becomes a bit of a zero-sum game for cities that are offering these tax breaks to bring high-tech companies? One of the interesting things about it is that the number of deals themselves are getting fewer and fewer, but the size of the deals is getting bigger and bigger. So say with Amazon, if you're fighting for the Amazon deal, then that might be your only chance to bag Amazon's second headquarters in your lifetime. So they go for it. But it's the underlying philosophy that I think a lot of people are beginning to question now, whether indeed a company that's as hugely profitable as Amazon really needs what is effectively corporate welfare. 
Karen, picking up on what Dominic is saying, you've been looking at a lot of some of the individual cities. Do you get a sense that they do have plans if Amazon chooses them to try and address some of these other infrastructure-related issues or that coming there will actually help those issues? Cities have more leverage than they think they do. What Amazon needs is so big and so specific in terms of this talent pool that only a couple places can serve it and that cities probably have more control than they think they do. That said, there has been this arms race and you can bet Amazon will try to get every cent it can out of this whole process. And part of the reason I think people assume there's this kind of public nature to it is to be able to kind of play places off each other. I think you will definitely see combinations of how the aid could come. I don't expect it to come as some of the straight up tax abatements, but I expect you'll see things related to a city or a region investing in the school system in some way specifically to train people for, let's say, cloud computing work. Or you could imagine situations where they'll extend a transit line somewhere or build a new type of um, physical infrastructure to support the kind of size of a development that they're doing. Dominic, the decision for Amazon to open a second headquarters is very much a business one. Does it even make sense for cities and states to subsidize them coming? I wonder if it does. I mean, Karen would know better than I, but I mean, there are obviously dark sides to Amazon's dominance of Seattle now, and it's chased a lot of people out and it's made affordable housing very difficult. They've played hardball with the local government there about taxes. So there's that side to it. At the same time, 50,000 jobs is not to be sniffed at, and especially when they're well-paid jobs. So there are two sides, but I wonder if it really should be up to taxpayers to pay for these enormously profitable companies. Karen, you're there in Seattle and you see the effect that Amazon has directly on that community. What recommendations would you make to whatever city wins this competition to be prepared? Seattle, here, Amazon is such a dominant employer. It occupies, particularly within the city limits, a huge portion of the office space, employs a sizable number of the people in the population. It's really a company town here. And I think it really depends a little bit on where it lands. I think if it lands in a huge city like a New York or a D.C. metro region, the overall impact is going to be less intense than if it's in an Austin or a Denver. And in any case, They need to get ahead in particular on housing and transportation issues. These are things that they have said. These are things that city have said. And I believe this is like a truly sincere attempt to try to get ahead of it. Now, whether they do that well and whether the politics are there to make it happen is a big deal. But in Seattle, for example, there are huge fights over building more housing and denser housing in a city that's used to having a lot of single family homes. Dominic? I think you need to, in writing, get down exactly what you want out of this deal and make sure that Amazon's contributing to it. I feel that too often the governors and the mayor, etc., are too excited about having a photo taken with Jeff Bezos or Tim Cook or like, and the, making the announcement ahead of an election that I brought 50,000 jobs to Newark or wherever it's going to be. Well, did you? It could be 20 years before we find out. Dominic Rush is the U.S. business editor at The Guardian, and Karen Weiss is a tech reporter for The New York Times. Thank you both for joining. Thanks. Thank you. And I'm Charlie Herman. This is Money Talking from WNYC. WNYC.